Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. The warfare didn't kick up when he was brainstorming and writing it out on paper. The warfare kicked up those three words. Then I went. Look for that. You can plan to do something for three years. Satan's like, go ahead. Because some people plan, 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 and I'll never do nothing. Satan ain't worried about what you're thinking about doing. He's not worried about what you're planning to do. He's not worried about what you're talking about doing. Some people talk about doing stuff for 10 years and they'll never do nothing. He's concerned for the people that are getting up and doing it. Here's the truth about spiritual warfare. If you aren't experiencing it, you're not moving the kingdom forward. Pastor Bill is going to show you today that big talk and big plans don't scare the enemy. He won't even bother with you if all you do is plan. But the moment that you start moving the kingdom of heaven forward on the earth is the moment you're going to catch his attention. There's a time for planning, but you need to know that when planning stops and action begins, you need to be ready for the war. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Nehemiah chapter 2 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. The only way we lose is if we quit. And as believers, we've got to be committed to not. God, I'll do anything but quit. And there's, there's got to be something in us as believers that we've got to be fighters. If Satan can discourage you to where you quit, he wins. That's the only way he can defeat you is to make you stop. He can't physically stop you. He can't beat you. He cannot defeat you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. But if he can trick you to quit, duh, I got you. That is the only way Satan can win. Trick you into not doing it. Trick you into not going forth. Anything God gives you to do that your flesh is afraid to do it, do it. Especially do it. Do it anyway. Because this is why. It'd be better to do something for God and fail miserably than to have Satan trick you into never knowing. Never knowing what God would have done. That's, that'll be worse. I'd rather step out in faith and just, I mean, I'm going to shoot for the stars and we'll see what happens. And if I find out that this wasn't my thing, it's all good. Because, look, I, I was doing it for God anyway. So if I fail for God, big deal. Amen? But what if you fail to move out because Satan tricked you? That's, that's the real travesty. There's no travesty in somebody trying to step out and do something for God and finding out maybe that's not their thing, it's something else. There's no problem. There's no shame in that. At least they were, at least they're making steps and attempts to do something for God. But war is guaranteed. So let's look at warfare. Um, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, every time it happens in Nehemiah, I'm gonna highlight it because you're gonna see this. The war starts and it just gets intensifies. We're gonna see two people mentioned initially, Sanballat and Tobiah. But I want you to pay attention. Every time the warfare kicks up in Nehemiah, you're gonna see that the enemies are growing versus just a couple of enemies. Then it's gonna be some more enemies. Then there's the enemies and their homies. I mean, it's going to be more and more and more the closer he gets to finishing what God gave him to do. And that's a, that's a lesson about warfare. If you're doing a work for God, it'll never be less. It'll only be more. And it, it could, you know, I had, a, I had a pastor friend tell me that I was, I was sharing my woes of 2019 with a, a guy that I respect and that ministers to me. And after he got done encouraging me and praying for me, he says, well, he says, I'm going to tell you something you don't want to hear, but it's to be true. He said, it'll never be less than this. It'll only be more. Uh, that's Pastor Tony Clark telling me to put on your big boy pants and, and uh, just suck it up. It'll never be less than this. So whatever it is right now, grow through it, get over it, get beyond it. It'll only be more. It'll only be greater. It'll only be bigger as you continue to go forward. 
Um, and it's good to know that so that, you know, you can prepare for bigger battles, bigger wars. God is still the one fighting the battles, though. Amen? First three words. Read, say it all. Everybody say it at the same time. One, two, three. Okay. That's important. It's because the, the warfare follows that. And this is what I want you to know. There was no warfare when he was thinking about doing a job. There was no warfare when he was contemplating doing a work for God. The warfare didn't kick on when he was, you know, planning to do a work for God. The warfare didn't kick up when he was asking for permission to do a work. The warfare didn't kick up when he was brainstorming and writing it out on paper. The warfare kicked up those three words. Then I went. Look for that. You can plan to do something for three years. Satan's like, go ahead. Because some people plan, 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 and will never do nothing. Satan ain't worried about what you're thinking about doing. He's not worried about what you're planning to do. He's not worried about what you're talking about doing. Some people talk about doing stuff for 10 years and they'll never do nothing. He's concerned for the people that are getting up and doing it. When it says that, then I went. And as soon as he got up and went, the enemy said, oh, I got to get up and stop him. The warfare kicked up when he went. I just wanted to point that out. So now look at verse 10. When Samballot the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard of it, look at this, they were deeply disturbed that a man had come to seek the well-being of the children of Israel. This, this is about this. They were deeply disturbed, deeply. I mean, they are bothered in a deep way that somebody cares about the condition of God's people. Deeply disturbed over this. And you need to understand this. Satan is deeply disturbed when we get stirred up about what God cares about. That's why he provides so many distractions. Some of us are distracted with things that aren't sinful. That's what I think Christians get, get messed up on. There'll be things that are not sinful at all. They're just great distractions to keep Christians that should be living lives of purpose and focus to live lives of kind of mediocrity where too many hours of your day, too much of your time, too much of the better part of your day is spent focusing on, thinking on things that God would say, I'm not mad at that. It just doesn't matter. I wish you were that passionate about this. I wish you were that passionate about that. I used to get mad. I stopped doing it, but I used to get mad when I, I would be guys. We have, we'd get guys together in fellowship and, you know, you have guys that get, I mean, I mean, they don't know no Bible at all. And, same guy can tell you every sports they know. He know the teams, the roster, who's hurt, when they coming back, who they might scout, how much the money cap. I mean, he know he know he don't even work for the organization. He don't even have stock in the organization, but he know everything about that and nothing about this. And I'm like, that's a that's misplaced focus. That doesn't matter at all. And I'm not mad at sports. I like sports like the next man. But that just seemed like quite a waste to me. If you know that much about this, you can't give a Bible study at home. You can't answer simple Bible questions. Um, I'm like, man, turn off the TV and the apps and the sports and channels. Open up the book. That's something's wrong to me about that, you know. And it, that could be a number of areas. I don't know, ladies, you might know everything about the models or the dresses or the, I don't know what y'all are into. I've never been one of y'all, but y'all got y'all stuff too. You know, this, let's just be mindful that Satan is wonderful about providing distractions so that we don't, we don't get focused. We don't get honed in on, we don't, 
We don't become stirred and impassioned and excited about something that has kingdom purpose on it. So as he did, though, as Nehemiah's burden, his burden led him to pray. His prayer led him to the open door. The king asked him, what's wrong? The, the prayer again led him to act for the right things. Um, God answered a prayer and giving him everything he wanted from the king. And now as he's on his way to go do the work, these men, Samballot the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite are deeply disturbed that someone is seeking the well-being of the children of Israel. And they're going to be coming against him constantly. Now, look at verse 11. So I came to Jerusalem and was there for three days. Then I arose in the night and a few men with me. I told no one with my God had put in my heart to do in Jerusalem, nor was there any animal with me except the one which I rose. So he's getting ready to go spy out the land. Um, it's an interesting thing that he doesn't tell anybody what's in his heart yet. Um, sometimes, sometimes that's, that, that might be necessary that, you know what, I don't want I'm, to, I'm, this is between me and the Lord right now. This isn't really something to talk to everybody about. Um, and I do think that there's times where, you know, there's a time to really get clarity from, from the Lord about what he's saying, what am I doing, um, before you run and talk to too many people about it. This is what I have learned in my life. Even when you're talking to godly people sometimes, they haven't, Nehemiah's four months in praying on this thing. I don't know how much input I'm going to give someone that heard me today and they, they got a wild idea about what I should do. I've been praying for four months. I've been listening to God for months on this thing. So I don't know, I don't know if this is, I don't know if this is a conversation for us to have. There's sometimes, this is important for leaders. As leaders, sometimes you need one voice. You don't need 10 confirmations and eight people to agree. You need to have, you need to have clarity from God because sometimes God will give you direction that ain't nobody else getting that. They're not burdened for this. Um, Nehemiah is the one that God gave the burden for this. I don't want to talk to people that don't share my burden about what I'm going to be doing. Um, and I, I've, I've made that mistake before, um, you know, realizing that, you know, there are people that don't share my burden for things. And so, I mean, this is the stuff I'm up at night praying about. I wake up thinking about these things. This is on my heart. I don't want to, I don't want to hear a whole lot of input from somebody who just, I'm just, they just thinking out loud to me. You keep that. You know, I, I, now we do, I value people in my life that pray with me. There are people that are listening and say, I'm going to pray for you, bro. And pray and they'll pray with me and join me in prayer. But be careful about that because opinions are cheap and free and they don't cost anything. There's no commitment. There's, there's no investment needed for someone to offer up their 10 cent. Um, and so as long as you know you're praying and listening, then what you're hearing from God is of, the, of most value. Amen. And so uh, and, and you, I'm balancing that out with the fact that, you know, in a multitude of counts, there's safety and all of that. But uh, I do believe there are times where for leaders, um, God is going to lead us in a way that nah, there are times where definitely what God told me to do. There was nobody else saying that's a good idea. There, there are times in my life where when God, what God told me to do, I had no human being that stood with me. But as I look back on it, it was God's will for my life. When God told me to leave the first church that I was at, um, the pastor didn't agree. My, my friends in ministry were like, no, because they were selfishly wanting me to stay there with them. My wife, who only knew that kind of church, didn't want to leave it. I, had, I didn't have one human being that was like, Bill, this is a good idea. But when I would get along with God, God was like, you better obey me. And 
as I look back on it, that's probably the best thing I ever did for my family was to get out of that thing, to get us, get us out of that, that system and to really get into a place where we can get into the word of God the way I knew we needed to. Um, but when, we, when I made the move, all I had was God saying, do it. And I asked, he said, do it again. I remember, God, I need a third confirmation. And I remember going back to God for the, the confirmation, and I'll never forget what God told me. Because the pastor said, you need to go back and pray about that. That's not God. And I went and I said, whoa, man, I, I sure thought it was. And I went back and prayed, and this is what the Lord told me. He says, either he's the Lord of your life, or my wife is the Lord of my life, or he's the Lord, or Jesus is the Lord of my life. This, right now, you're going to make that This It'll be evident in what you do, because I've told you what to do. And we left, and it took some years, but years later, my wife would look back, and she would say, thank you for getting us out of that. And that, 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 that meant, I mean, that was worth money to me when I, when I heard it, you know, because I'm like, you know, and it also reminded me of this, that I can't listen to people. I can't, I can't, that can't factor in to what God is saying. And so, so moving on, verse 13, it says, so I went out by night through the valley gate to the serpent well and, uh, and the refuse gate and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down and its gates that were burned with fire. Remember, initially he had just heard of the condition. Well, now he's seeing it for himself. Now he's, he's got an eye full of burned down gates and just the rubble that's there. Verse 14, then I went on the fountain gate, on to the fountain gate in the king's pool, but there was no room for the animal under me to pass. So I went up in the night by the valley and I viewed the wall and I turned back and entered the valley gate and so returned. And the officials did not know where I had gone or what I had done. I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or the other people, um, or the others who did the work. Then I said to them, verse 17, you see the distress we are in, how Jerusalem lies and waits and its gates are burned with fire. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. So he went and saw it for himself and just got a visual and he went back. And then he told everybody, you guys, let's, let's, let's go do the work. Let's go build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. Verse 18. And then he told them about what God had done. Now he's testifying about what God has done. He says, and then I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me, and also of the king's word, which he had spoken to me. So after getting there, after spying out the land, after, you know, getting clarity, getting his footing then he goes and corrals everybody else and says, look, guys, this is what we need to do. Build the walls. This is why we need to do it so that we would no longer be a reproach. And God has been good. I was praying. God answered my prayers, gave me favor with the king and provision. He lets them now. Now he lets them in on what God is doing. And he invites everyone to be a part of what God is doing. Uh, the, the, the second part of, of that verse, verse 18, it says, so they said, let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to this good work. And so Nehemiah is now being, this is leadership. You know, he's taking his burden, his, what God gave him, and he's gotten, you know, provision. He's gotten permission. He's gotten everything he needs to move forward. But now, you know, most times a work is not going to be done by one person. Uh, there may be someone that has the, the passion or the burden and they're the leader, but there's going to be a lot of people involved in, in getting this wall rebuilt. And so Nehemiah has to share the vision and get everybody else involved. Um, and they respond well. Everybody says, let us rise up and build. And then they set their hands to this good work. Verse 19, once again, I want you to note, every time the enemy pops up, 
I want you to look at, we go back and look at what happened just before. Last time the enemy popped up when Nehemiah said, then I went, then the enemy popped up. Now the group, now the team said, let us build. Now look at verse 19. But when Samballad the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Gershom the Arab, did we add one? We got three now. Now, now he didn't, they didn't win. The enemy went and got, we need some, we need backup. And uh, now Gershom the Arab heard of it. Here goes one of the tactics of the enemy. They laughed at us and despised us and said, what is this thing you were doing? Second attack of the enemy. Will you rebel against the king? They make false accusations. So a few things about the warfare here. The enemies grow. It went from Sam Ballot, Tobiah, to Sam Ballot, Tobiah, and Gershom, the Arab. They got a homie that joined them. Um, the enemy laughed at them. And that's, that's, if you're trying to do something for God, hear this, because sometimes the warfare happens in your own head. Sometimes it's in your head that the enemy is saying, you can't do this. It's going to fail. It's not going to make, it's going to go well. It's not going to go well. It's going to go terrible. You're going to look dumb. Blah, whatever he's lying to you and saying, um, he can get in your head. Sometimes Satan can get to somebody to say it to you. Sometimes you got somebody that you, you thought would be good counsel, uh, and they're a naysayer. Sometimes you got people in the family, they're non-believers, and they got negative things. That, sometimes, this is what I found in my life. Every once in a while, I can sync up Satan and people. Like, man, Satan is saying that, and then somebody else will say the same thing Satan is saying. And I don't mean, sometimes it happens through believers. Just, man, they just got in alignment with the enemy to bring the discouragement. Whatever the case, this is why this is so important. The one voice that you need to be hearing is whose? And that's the one you need to listen to. And it doesn't matter any other voice. It doesn't matter what anybody else said. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter if your, your own mind is bombarded. Can I tell you guys this? I've never done anything for God that my flesh didn't say, it's going to fail. You're going to look dumb, small and big. Anything that I've ever tried to, anytime I've ever tried to step out and do something, um, the enemy was right there saying, oh, it's not going to, it's not working out. It's going to fail. We tried to plant the church. Anybody that was there in the beginning, there were weeks where there weren't hardly anybody there. And the enemy would be there in my head saying, why are you here? This is a waste. I remember looking out one Sunday, I'll never forget this. It was at Morningside and I looked out and everyone in the audience had been to their church that morning. They were just here to support or to help the work. But they had, I looked out and I'm like, everybody here had been somewhere else. And this is what the enemy said. They don't need you. They, they, this is just, what are you doing? They've already had real church. And now they're here with you. That's what it felt like in my heart, in my mind. And it was, you know, you, you the fight off the discouragement of, of that sort of rhetoric from the enemy. Because God was doing the work. Um, as I look back on it, you know, God was teaching me how to teach, teaching me how to persevere, um, you know, teaching me that it doesn't matter if, if long as one person is there to listen, that one person is enough to, for you to bring your best and to teach. Um, there were weeks where it, it, it would get hard to prepare when you're like, man, I, you know, you prepare like you're preparing for 500, for five or 10. And I may be exaggeration, but, you know, and God's like, look, it's, it's, it's I'm there. It's an opportunity. It doesn't matter who's listening. And, but you got to battle through. The enemy will be in your own mind. He'll be in other people's minds. I had people say things like that. I had a pastor at a really low point. Um, slide, it was almost a slide in of like, if, if, you know, there's always an open door to come on staff if you want to. 
I'm like, that's not what I need to hear right now, bro. I'm not about to quit. You know, like the one thing I do know that's important about a call, I'm called to do this. So I will do it until it fails, but, I, but I'm called to do it. I'm not, I'm not going somewhere else, you know. Um, and a call is important because when it gets thick, um, you lean back on the fact that you told me to do this, Lord. You know, you said this. And on a, on a lean day, on a discouraging day, then you go back to dad. Dad, I'm here. I'm here because you said I'm, today I'm obeying dad. I'm here because you said so. And um, Nehemiah on this day, he got he he just his first step in leadership. I've heard from God. Now I've led other people to pursue the call of God. And they're all rolling with me. And the enemy says, man, they laughed at him, mocked him and said, what are you doing? But then they said this. Will you rebel against the king? So they were accusing him as he's moving into a new territory. Oh, you're here. You're starting a rebellion. We're going to start that rumor. Because in that monarch type of society, if you rebel against the king, that's going to be war. The king's like, oh, he's, he's rebelling against me. Then we must kill him, take him out. And so imagine what that might do in your headspace. When you got these guys, you're like, they're going to be telling rumors that I'm, I'm here creating beef with the king. And that's not the case. And here's the thing. The enemy would beg many times Nehemiah to come off the work, but he would not come off of the work. He would stay to the work. Last verse, verse 20. So I answered them and said to them, the God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build. Notice this. But you have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem. I just want to to break this down. Nehemiah just gangbanged on them a little bit. Nehemiah said, look, he says, the God of heaven. Notice he didn't even address. Never mind the kings. Never mind the kings. The God of heaven, I'm I'm on assignment. I didn't ask the king to come here. Who did he ask to do this? He asked the Lord. He got permission from the king, but I asked the king of the king, can I come here? So when he's challenged on what he's doing, he don't bring up the kings, the look, all that. Skirt, all that. The God of heaven himself, he says, I know him. He will prosper us. How do you know that? Because he's been talking to him in the first place. Um, and we, his servants, we're going to arise and build. And then he goes to them and says, because there's a non-believers. He says, look, you guys, non-believers, you guys have no heritage, no right or memorial in Jerusalem. You have nothing to say about what's going on here. You guys are nothing. And if I could remind you now, I'm not saying to be harsh and nasty with people, but sometimes we got to remember what they are. If someone's not a believer. Who do they belong to? Don't forget that. Don't forget that. Don't forget. If you don't belong to the Lord, you belong to the devil. And so, you know, be careful about how much juice, how much interaction, how much play, how much pull, how much ear you give. You don't even know God. You can't tell me nothing. You're not even going to heaven. You you got bigger problems right now than, than what I'm doing over here, you know. And so he just puts them in their place real quick. But I want you to note, he doesn't come off the work. Amen. Hands to the plow. This is the kind of guy that's going to get the job done um, because he's going to face adversity many, many, many times. He's going to overcome every time. He's not going to be distracted. And so these are great lessons for us. Every one of you in this room is called to do a work for God. It may look different. We may be called to do different things. We're all called to do a work for God. As you put your hand to the plow to do a work for God, there will be adversaries, there will be warfare, there will be discouragement, there will be, all of that will be. And if you keep your eyes on the Lord, you will be victorious.
God will give you the victory in every battle if you don't quit. When is the last time you looked up from your own problems long enough to see the troubles in the world around you? In this series, Pastor Bill Buffington is focusing on the life of one man who not only noticed the trouble around him, but wept over it and then did something about it. That's right, we're diving into the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah 1 verses 2 through 4 says this, I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, The remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are destroyed by fire. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Take a moment and consider the state of the world around you. Really notice the heartache and pain, and then bring it before God and see if He wants you to do something about it. Thanks for listening to A Transforming Word as you let the Word transform you. It will inevitably lead to transforming the world around you too. A Transforming Word is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. You can check us out at calvaryinglewood.org. And then if you're in the area, make plans to come see us. But there's a lot more there than just our address. There's something for everyone. Once again, that website is calvaryinglewood.org. Well, we're out of time for today, but we'll be back and we hope to see you too. See you next time right here on A Transforming Word. Mm -hmm.